Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's International Church Podcast. I have two very special guests with me today, uh, and some of you uh, from my church are going to recognize these faces immediately because we have two former pastors here with us. We have Norman Ellis and Brian Kirby who have joined us, and that's one of the great things about this uh this virus crisis is that it doesn't matter where you are in the world. You can still bless each other uh, via Zoom, via other means. So, guys, uh, so good to see you. Uh, why don't you take a minute? Everybody may not know you. Introduce yourselves. Uh, <laughs> so, I'm Brian Kirby, and I was the youth pastor uh, at EIC from 1993 to 96. And then my wife and I and my daughter moved back to Paris in 2002, and I became the senior pastor from 2003 to 2010. And now we're living in McLean, Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C. Great. Welcome, Brian. So good to have you on the show. Great to be here. <laughs> Brian Parker. Uh, I'm Norman Ellis. Uh, I preached my first sermon nine years ago this month uh, at EIC and was called to pastor in August of this, that year, that was 2001, and was there for four years, leaving in July of uh, 2000, did I say 2001? I misspoke, 2011, and left in July of 2015. I uh, was there for four years. We moved back so that we could be closer to Molly's family and my family, and um, we've been living down here in Lake Charles now for about the last five years, Lake Charles, Louisiana. Uh, we're about three hours from Houston. It's the nearest big city uh, from us. Well, and I'm, I'm thrilled to have both of you guys, just uh, you former pastors here, also friends of mine. I, both of you have uh, just been so kind to me as I've stepped into this role. I was, you know, Norman's the one who actually brought me to the church and the search team when I was, uh, when I came as a youth pastor. And of course, Brian, as, as always, uh, is, is a little bit of a legend around these parts some ways. And so he's, uh, he's always been very kind as well. And so I'm, I'm so thankful that, that you're both willing to bless us. So, just thinking through, both of you have quite a history at this church, and one of the things I understood from the beginning is the legacy that I was stepping into that you guys have left. So what, just in terms of your time here, what are some of your favorite memories that you look back on and, and think of? I think about when I first arrived there in 1993, I had spent two summers in France in college, and then this was my first job right out of college. I got to move to Paris. And there, um, yeah, how about that for a first job? Um, coming from North Carolina. And um, when I arrived at Charles de Gaulle, there was the French family that I had lived with in the center of France, along with Bill Clark and Ruth Thomas, who were there, the pastor and wife then, who greeted me. And I just thought, wow, this is such uh, an incredible opportunity. And then getting to serve as a youth minister. And in those years, in uh, 90, I guess 94, three, four, five, we um, would do a church-wide ski retreat. Uh, it'd be more than 100 people, busloads of us going up to Val in the Three Valleys and just um, worshiping there and being there together. I remember one year that Glenn Keane, the famous animator for Disney, was there with his family and he created a story and sketched it and he was our speaker for the evening. And I just oh. thought, what an incredible opportunity to be with these interesting people from around the world. Um, I just remember um, 
that it felt like this is what this must be what heaven will be like looking out over a congregation of people um from africa and asia and all over europe and the world and just thinking this is the most diverse church i had ever been a part of and um was really seeing that just diversity and just feeling so blessed um and god allowed me to preach my very first sermon ever um at uh emmanuel and God really used that process of me being there as a youth minister um, to call to be called into ministry. I kind of thought I was doing a stint for a few years in Paris as a Baptist missionary, but God used it to say, "No, I really I have this call on on your life." Mm-hmm. And um, then we were able um, to come back uh, in two thousand two, and God gave me the chance to step back in to this church that I love so much and uh, first directing the gospel choir and then being asked to be the senior pastor. And I just felt like that, it, that I was brought there for such a time as this. It was right. such a culmination of my background and my degrees and my connection and love for France. And I just feel like um, all those great memories of the gospel choir and the diversity and are just great memories that I think I'll cherish and are a part of me forever. But yes, he's really shaped me. There, there's yeah, there's so much relatable stuff there. I mean, every, every preacher remembers the first place where they where they preach those first sermons and and how special that is. But also, what what you said really resonates about um, what heaven will be like. I, mm-hmm. I know I had a similar feeling when I first arrived, seeing the nations around me, and yeah. honestly, that's what I hear mo- most visitors that I, that we have. If people bring a mission trip or pass through, that's something you always hear. This is what heaven will be like, and 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 so that's uh, yeah. Th- thanks for sharing that, Norman. Do you have some memories? Yeah, mine's uh, my track is a little bit different. Uh, of course, I was a military chaplain for 27 years before right. retiring and then coming to IBC. But I was introduced uh, to the IBC at Aviano. Um, oh, right. And uh, I was a chaplain. I was deployed in Italy and I visited the church there. I can't remember who the who was pastor of the church at the time. But Sam Owens was sort of freelancing down in Brindisi in the south of Italy. And Sam Owens became pastor at Aviano for mm-hmm. quite a few years. Um, and I got in touch with uh, uh, IBC and stayed connected with them for about 10 years and really felt like that's where God was calling me upon my retirement from the military. Mm-hmm. So I uh, uh, saw what churches were available. And, and, and Brian, when you're... Uh, you got ready to leave. You went out on the board too, and you were one of several I applied to. And uh, it it took about a year to sort through everything after you left. So there was a nice buffer zone. Either that, you know, if it hadn't been for that, I'd have fallen right into your footprints. And, and that, <laughs> what that a hard act been, to follow. <laughs> that, that, that would have, that would have been, I don't know whether it was uh, famous or infamous, but maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, but I, also there was, a, I came, you know, at a, an incredibly transitional time yeah. uh, in, in the church as yeah. it, it really seemed to be transitioning from an American church with an international flavor to a truly international church with some American flavor to it. Yeah, right. And, uh, and th- that was fun. Uh, I had, because of the military, traveled all over the world, but I never got to see the whole world in one place. And so being pastor of an international church was, was like that. that and, and that this is what heaven must be like is, was the repeated theme there. I, I think the high point, of course, for me uh, was twofold. One, 
was just being able to physically build on the legacy because the church uh, over the years had just done what all buildings do and needed some repair. And we did what we came to call the facelift uh, of the church was to, to paint and clean up and, and do some things around the outside cosmetically. Um, and uh, it was quite a lengthy project. It took yeah. some time. And that's what brings in the alumni uh, mm -hmm. issue yeah. we're going to talk about later. But uh, in large part, because of the support of the people who had left years before but still called that church home, we were able to raise the tremendous funds necessary to bring about uh, the beautification of the church. That, that came at, uh, along at the same time as we had what we came to call the, the gold and silver celebration. It just happened that we had our 50th anniversary at EIC the same time that the uh, uh, EBE had their 50, uh, 25th anniversary. Mm -hmm. And of course, uh, we got to celebrate that together. And uh, I think it was Newton. Uh, Brian, you probably know this. I, I, it said we, we either sit or we stand on the shoulders of giants. And that's what it felt like uh, yeah. to, to, to be there and see all of these people in the living history of the church. Um, uh, Brian, of course, was there, and 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 uh, uh, Scott uh, and several others. Uh, Kurt, uh, uh, Brian, I'm I'm at a loss for the the, the first pastor's name. I just Jack Hancox. Yeah, uh, yeah. Jack, who was able to fly over with me, which was such a blessing, and I think you honored yeah. him in such a beautiful way by talking about us standing on the shoulders of giants and recognizing him. I just remember being so touched being there and for him and thinking, wow, to come to the end of, of kind of his career and see the legacy of what he created. And I thought you just did a beautiful job of really honoring that. Well, and I, you know, I was, a, I had just arrived that year as a youth pastor. And so I, I was privileged to be a part of that event event. And like you said, um, that standing on the shoulders of giants, that really impacted me that week as well, because I, I had never, and that, that kind of brings us to one of the big things that I want to explore in this episode, I had never been a part of a church that had such a global family. Um, you know, you know, a lot of times the churches you're a part of, if, if someone leaves the church, you know, maybe they moved away or something. Sometimes it's for a bad reason that, you know, they're mad at the church, but I had never been part of the church where so many people had left it but it was all for good reasons, <laughs> you see. And, and so there's these pastors who had come and gone and, and laid this foundation. And there's a group of people that had been part of the church and had left large numbers of people all over the world. Maybe people listening to this right now are people who, are, who can relate to that. And that, that was a totally new factor to me and something that I was so proud to be part of, you know, that, that, that God has, has through generations brought people like you guys uh, through to serve, brought them out, and new people come in, and yet that family remains. That 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 remains. Yeah. And so that let's. I want to talk a little bit about that because oftentimes we talk about the distinctives of of an international church. What makes it different than being part of a maybe a monocultural church and kind of wherever you're from. Uh, and you know some of, some of this is cultural. The you know you mentioned the all the different cultures that come together. Some of it is this transient side. And so often we talk about the negatives that come with that. But, man, there are so many positives. What, what, for you guys, your experience pastoring an international church, 
what was that experience like for you? Are there are any of these distinctives really stand out for you guys? I, I'd like to address that from just this perspective of being sort of the only show in town. I know we weren't, but <laughs> in many ways we were. Uh, if you spoke English and you wanted to worship, you had few opportunities in Paris. Yes. And, and EIC was one of them. And I think immediately I was struck by these people are not here to do church. And I don't mean that as a disparaging thing against these well-established and long-living uh, life cycle churches that we have. But, but I do mean that these were people who, they were desperate to worship. So they looked for a place to do that and uh, came to EIC. And, and from my very first Sunday that I was there, uh, and especially it helped with Scott Sontag uh, on the piano, but, but uh, my first Sunday that I was there, I just was blown away. These people are here to yeah, worship. They're serious. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah. they can't, some of them travel a couple of hours oh, yeah. uh, to, to get to church on Sunday morning. And so that was, uh, that was really the exciting thing for me. And I think that that's what continues to resonate uh, with people as they move on. They may go back to a place where people come to do church on Sunday to, as part of the social context. Right. And they remember the time where they were at a place where everybody was there to worship. Um, so that's, that's really what strikes me um, uh, okay. about that, that whole sense of, of uh, the international community and, and especially my time at EIC. Hmm. Yeah. Think about what Bill Clark Thomas said to me when I first arrived there as a youth minister. And he talked about that in the midst of all this diversity, that the challenge in an international church is to keep the main thing the main thing, mm. to hold some things tightly and let a lot of other things go. Yeah. And one of the things that I loved about being there at EIC were, was to imagine that it's a gathering of people who in their own home countries, left to their own devices, might never have gone to church together. Yes, where you have <laughs> almost assuredly not. High church <laughs> background and Pentecostal backgrounds and no church background and Catholic background and sort of all that and somehow having fewer choices like Norman suggested yeah. meant that people had to let go of some of the things that they thought were important and really focus in on what brought everybody together. And that sense of, you know what, we can let some things go to focus on what's most important um, became so important to, to keeping the unity together you know, it's not always simple in, in an international church. Sometimes there are differences of culture, communication, or all those sorts of things. But yet people were willing to let a lot of things go to hold on to the core of the gospel. Yeah. And I loved that sense of let's focus on what's really important in the midst of all the diversity. And I think for me, it's always made coming back to America and American churches somewhat difficult because it feels like in America, we sort of can define ourselves by our differences rather than by what holds us together. And I used to say it was always hard coming back to America because it felt like when you've tasted all of the different flavors that God has created, it made it hard to come back to eating vanilla every oh, yeah. Sunday <laughs> in America. And I just loved that diversity. Your palate has grown. Yeah. Yeah. Your palate has grown and your right. interest has grown and just learning from Christians and from all sorts of different places, uh, right. whether it's, you know, learning about what it really means to be in a country where Christians are persecuted 
you know, where their life is on the line or in places where God has revealed God's self to people in ways that just are outside of my, my own experience and hearing those stories and thinking, yeah, wow, yeah. really stretching me, you know, for sure. For sure. You know, I often think of, you know, when I did missionary training in the U S we did lots of studies on the idea of contextualization. Uh, and, yeah. and it's, it's a very important thing to study It's something to be, you know, cognizant about, but sometimes we, when we study that, we fail to see, we sometimes need other cultures to contextualize it to us because mm-hmm. every culture doesn't see their blind spot. And that's one of the beautiful right. things of a, of an international church is that, you know, the, I'm sitting here reading the Bible with someone from Africa and someone from China, and they're, they're showing me things that I hadn't thought of before. And, and that, that's, a, that's a really beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, I, I want to turn to this question of transience now. Um, mm-hmm. That is, you know, I, I have a real love-hate relationship with, <laughs> with the transients, to be honest, because, uh, you know, there, there's the positive of there's always new people, but then there's all these, the negative of, hey, I trained that leader and they went somewhere else. So uh, what, <laughs> how, how did you guys uh, feel about that transient aspect of, of international church? I was at home. Uh, it, it's an interesting phenomenon, and maybe you know, it's similar with Brian and, and, and uh, Denise's vocation, but uh, uh, when you're in the military, you only go someplace for two or three years, and then, then you pick up and you go someplace else. And Molly used to make it a point when we would go to a new assignment to ask people how long they had been there. Because if they'd been there already for two or three years, she would, she would think, I can't invest in this relationship. I need to find somebody else. Yeah. And so she, she would invest in, in relationships, you know, based on that cycling. Um, and, and so we, we've lived with cycling through. I'd say that there are two words uh, that, that really made the difference for me. And Brian, you sort of came into the time, but I inherited the time. Social media. Uh, <laughs> and, and the, the ability to not just uh, try to keep up with um, email addresses or, or a mailbox, but mm-hmm. to be able to actually face-to-face pick up a phone or pick up your computer and, and talk to somebody who's on the other side of the world. That is, that's an incredible thing for, for uh, places like EIC now. And so I, as the pastor there, I was able to hold on to that um, and be able to keep a lot of those relationships that were transient relationships. And, and of course, that's what helped us during the facelift uh, was oh, yeah. the uh, social media aspect of being able to network and communicate. And, and Brian, you, uh, you, you had, a, a, had kept a network in the States of a lot of our contacts. Um, mm-hmm. And that was, a, that was incredible making this happen. So I think the transience was when I went, it was just something I expected. So yeah. the idea of, of pastoring a parade, um, and yeah, it, it, you're right. It's always poignant, bittersweet. Uh, it's been wonderful to know you. We hate to see you go. Can't wait to see who's going to take your place. <laughs> yeah. For sure. I know I used to feel like I would celebrate the rentrée in September and then feel the sadness of June coming with our goodbye Sundays and celebrating people. But the goodbye Sundays also became an opportunity for people to share just a testimony about what the church had meant to them and the stories that people would share. Sometimes people would share things 
that were meaningful to them that I didn't even know. It became just this wonderful opportunity to bless the congregation about what this time has meant to them. And I, I know one of the things I would often share is that God really challenges us to bloom where we're planted, no matter how long we're there. And the example I would often use was my wife, because she came uh, to Paris in 94 uh, to do an internship for, him, for her MBA. And she decided that even though she had lived in Paris in college, that now in this master's program, she really wanted to invest, even though she was only going to be there for right. the fall. And so she came to the church we met, she asked uh, Ruth Thomas how she might be uh, able to make an impact. And she began to, to volunteer with me, with our youth group. And it was really through Denise's decision to make an, uh, an impact, to want to invest in the local church, even though she was only going to be there for a few months, that ended up creating our relationship and then me asking her to marry me, all through that decision to really invest. And so I used so to God had a plan to work through the local <laughs> God used the local church and transients to bring my wife uh, into my life. But I think that that decision to, because some people, of course, they move abroad and they're like, I would hear people say, well, we've decided we're taking a break for, from church for several years and we're just going to travel. And you think, gosh, of course, the places that you'll visit are very attractive, but you can never replace those relationships that God's giving you the chance to pour into and be stretched by. You know, I recognize it now that there are plenty of places I love to go back to in France, but nothing more than going back to the church and yeah. seeing the people who've impacted my life, uh, like Henri and Anne Fress and so many other people. Um, and those are relationships that had I not invested in them, uh, I would have missed out on how much God has taught me through those people. Well, for sure. I mean, it's, it's very popular nowadays to think in terms of investing in experiences. I mean, it's kind of the, the millennial mantra, right? You, you, you invest in experience and I'm, I'm living in France, so I'm going to travel every weekend. Uh, but I think you're right. I, I, I really feel like the ones who, who um, get the most out of their time are the people who invest in relationships and people and, and, and in the church. And I, we see that all the time. Um, visitors who come back to our church and talk, you know, I was here from this point to this point, And at some point we have a common person that we know, no matter how old, you know, what they are in terms of when they were here. Uh, and, but they, yeah, they come back to Paris and what do they want to do? They don't want to see the Eiffel tower. They want to come to EIC and they want to see where the church is right now. And that, that's a, that's an exciting thing. And part of what we're talking about here is, we're always going to be a part of that. You know, like, like there, that, that place God has brought us yeah. through this place and it impacts us. Um, so along those lines, uh, you know, you guys dealt with the transients when, you're, when, you're, when you were pastors, but now you are amongst those who have transitioned. <laughs> so you are alumni. Uh, and so, uh, you know, how does that feel? What's that, what's that like? being an alumni of EIC? <laughs> well, personally, it's, it's just, I feel like I've been missing church now for about five years. Uh, and there was nothing in my experience as a pastor. And, and Brian, I probably would say that that's a common theme for all pastors. There was nothing like showing up at church on Sunday morning. 
uh, just the just the incredible uh, flow of love, uh, and, and not just from others to me and my attempt to pass that back to others, but the cross flow, and uh, and so I feel like in the last five years that I've been away, uh, that I've kind of been been missing uh, something that's. I don't know. I've never experienced in any place but an international church. Um, and I'm not sure why that's the case. A, a friend of mine, and, and Kirby, I know, uh, Brian, I know you warned us not to go into controversial things, but I feel this is sort of important to point out, is uh, the churches in the United States, and I guess all over the world, but certainly here in the United States, uh, many of them are so established. A person sort of uh, put it in context for me years ago when I came to a church as a new pastor here in Louisiana. She said, uh, I love this church, but I'll never be a part of the church. And I said, what do you mean? And wow. she said, because when the, the church meets on Sunday morning, they hug. But when I show up, they shake my hand. Wow. And so there was, a, there was actually a physical distancing that said wow. that you're not part of that, that in-group. And that distancing was absolutely blown away at EIC. Mm -hmm. uh, you, when yeah. you showed up, you were part. Yeah. Um, and so I, that's, if, if there's anything I miss as an uh, alumnus, uh, it's, it's that experience, um, I, as, um, among many things. But Paramount you're still one of us, Norman. <laughs> I, I, and, and I felt that. And I know Brian feels that every time he, he comes sure. back. I've only been back once in five years, but uh, man, just the, the welcome last year when I was able to, to come back was, was beautiful. And we had a great time and great fellowship there. Um, so I, I, I know you use the word alumnus, and we do use that word alumnus. But I think the interesting thing is because you never really officially bring your letter to Paris, you can't remove your letter from Paris. So you get to stay. Uh, you, know, you never graduated or anything. Like we never gave you a diploma. So no, there's none of that. <laughs> and and so we, I still communicate with people uh, all over the world who are my EIC brothers and sisters, and and that doesn't change. Yeah, I feel that same connection too. It's interesting because I feel like in some ways, once you've been a part of an international church, you you don't go home or to your next assignment the same. You're forever changed. There's something about what you expect of church, what you expect of yourself, what you expect of other people that just changes. And um, one of the things I loved about um, being in an international church, like you said, was how quickly people are embraced and how quickly people are allowed to use their gifting. I remember um, people who came and you just were able to, to see the spiritual maturity and understand their background and where they were from. And within just a few weeks or months, they were helping teach or they were helping lead. We didn't have the luxury of saying, well, let's watch this person for a couple of years and then we'll think about asking them to do something. It's more like God has sent you. You're here for a purpose. Let's plug you in and let's get rolling. And so many churches, I think, could benefit from that rather than the sort of, well, we've, we've got unending time, so we're going to back burner you and kind of watch. We had to step out and trust understand people's gifting, get to know people quickly. And I, I loved that. I loved that part of people just being able to plug in and really be used by God. And 
Now on the alumni side, I just think about so many friends that we have that we're still in contact with. I'm, I'm exchanging messages with people on social media all the time who we've known from EIC. And we have a few EIC uh, friends here in the Washington suburbs that we get together with still now. Uh, we do a raclette evening together uh, with the Husemans and um, we're so happy when others come into town uh, and we get a chance to connect and we watch their children grow up on social media. And you're right, it does help us stay connected. And for me to be able to be back in October helping out with the coffee house and just seeing so many people getting a chance to, to be there and um, reconnect and, and feel like former um, members can still make a contribution, whether it's like what you were saying with the beautification for the outside or this roof project or, and, and people are happy to do it. They're happy to still yeah. contribute and still be a part because that experience at EIC just meant so much to them. Yeah. Yeah. No, there is, there is no doubt that we are still, God is still blessing us through the alumni. Is there a better word than alumni? I mean, I, I, I've been trying to, I've thought about it. Maybe you guys have come up with something, but I, I don't know what else to call you guys. <laughs> Uh, I like alumni I, better than old. <laughs> the yeah, old pastor is not a way. <laughs> it has that college feel. <laughs> and, and former doesn't work either because you know it's you're still your your heart's still, still part. You're still part. Yeah. So I I think maybe you know I get I get letters from my colleges and universities asking me to contribute, and I they call me an alumnus. So I I, I guess that works well, too. It, I can imagine it does feel that way because I, I mean, I, you know, like we're talking about, you know, the church and how, how I expect to feel one day when I leave, you know, uh, I feel that way about my college. I feel that way about my university. Like there, there's a certain attachment there that I'm still part of that family, even though I've left. Yeah. And, and, uh, but I've never experienced that before with a church. And I think yeah. that's what makes this unique is that it's a, uh, I mean, I still have fondness with my churches from who sent me and all these kind of things. Don't get me wrong, but there is a, there's a different feel to this. Yeah. And I, and I think we'd be remiss if we didn't, yeah. we didn't hit the power behind that. And, and, and that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's Christ. Absolutely. Uh, and, and if, if we, you know, if we don't realize that that's the glue that, that, that he is yeah. who makes that work the way it does. Absolutely. That's I think why we're desperate for a stronger word than alumnus, because it's not just, yeah old buddies getting together you know it's it's people who share a, a common savior uh, and, and the only savior and i think that uh, that's one of the things that people who come to eic are desperate for you know that they they, they receive a message that uh begins in the scripture and makes a beeline for the cross i, I think something like that's what spurgeon said but uh, yeah. uh you know that we were able to be faithful to that central message and to know that that's, that really is what it is we're experiencing when we walk in the it door. Is, it, is, it is people who would never be together under normal circumstance. Right. And a whole community is created through the gospel, which, by the way, is what the scripture says it can do. It yeah. breaks, breaks down these walls. And I think, I think, you know, Norman, something you said earlier about the, um, the seriousness people come to worship with at a church like mm-hmm. this. Yeah. And I think you even used the word desperation. I, I, I think yeah. that's very true because I think when people move here, they're in sort of a high stress life situation. They're not at home. They, they may not even speak French and they, you know, they, they, they're high anxiety going to the grocery store 
yeah. you know, and, and all of a sudden they come to church and you're right. Like you, you, you experience that they're willing to hug you from the first day. There's a social nearness there. Um, and, and I, and I think there's something about the way God uses the church in that way that, that keeps our affections, even when we have left. Um, it is, it is, it changes us. Brian, did you have a thought on that? <laughs> Yeah, I, I think the only word that I was I was thinking as we were talking about is there a stronger word? The only thing I could come up with is extended family. Yeah. It feels like you've got, you know, your family. And then you talk about getting an extended family, like a family reunion together. Yeah. And sometimes when I when I go back and people come back in, it feels like a family reunion, but in a spiritual family sense. You know, it's the sort of spiritual extended family. And I just I think about powerful experiences. Um from, from my time there um, and what that family looks like. You know, one of them that I remember so well was uh, one of our members, Edwin, came to me and said his wife was critically ill in the Philippines. And no matter how many jobs he was working, he was not able to send all the money that he would need. And basically the hospital was saying, you have to send us this amount of money or she's probably going to die. And I remember taking that to the church council and then to the church at large and just saying, this is a real need. And just watching the church just pour out um, financial and as well as prayer and support blessings and just being so moved, even, even as I tell the story now, I just, I feel the tears kind of welling up. And just, I remember um, him thanking the congregation and just what an, a powerful example it was mm. of um, of us really being able to save his wife's life by our giving and our sacrifice. And I just remember thinking, this is what a church family is supposed to be. This is what family is supposed to be, that we're, we're helping save someone's life who's living halfway around the world that we don't even know, but we know her husband, his commitment to us here, and the need. And just watching the congregation pour out their love and care on him, I, I thought, this is this to me is what church should look and feel like. And that was what I got to experience at EIC. Yeah. Well, it is, it is true that, that this <laughs> God allows us, you know, it's, it's like you said with, with Edwin, like he's, uh, we, we've not met this lady, but she's our family because he's our family. Right. And, you know you know what I'm saying? And, and, and so it, I, I do think that that family metaphor is a, is a powerful one. I, I mean, it's, we, we see I, one of the most overwhelming sense of that that I felt have, have felt was this past year at the coffee house. So you, you were, you were there for it. Uh, we, we, and Norman, you remember very well the impending roof problem <laughs> that, that, we, yeah, that sure. we, that we knew was coming. I still have pictures. Yeah. yeah and nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we, you know, it was something we talked about that we knew this was going to be a big project and mm-hmm. we kept trying to put it off. And finally it was, it, it was just the point where we couldn't put it off anymore. Um, and yeah, I, you know, we tried to reach out to the alumni, and, and what do you know? The alumni still see us as family. <laughs> you know, they, they still love this yeah. church, and they, uh, they showed it. And, and even the, the night of the coffee house, uh, you know, Brian, you had come back. I, Scott had gotten really involved. You know, we also have the family of, of the, the, the French Church EBE, as well as the family of the Gospel Choir that also yeah. are part of this legacy, I think. and. Mm-hmm. All, everybody teamed up. There were former members, uh, you know, people who were here in 2013 when I was here uh, who had left and now came, you know, they were coming back. And so 
it was just a, a, a overflow of emotion for me seeing the former people mixing with the flock who is here now. You know, pe people who did not know each other yet were family. Uh, and, and, and seeing those family members meet and, and bless each other and um, seeing a roof get redone, <laughs> you know, yeah. something that couldn't have, we could not have, you know, the current, you know, makeup of the IC would have really struggled to see that finished, yet the current makeup of the IC has a bigger family. And, and that, that is something that um, is, is super special. It was really touching to see, for me to see how God ha has has still still has plans for alumni, right, 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 and and I and I can see that even you know one day when when I leave you know I don't have any plans to leave, but one day when I leave I, I, I'm going to still be part of this, and and that's something that that certainly will that that really matters to me. Norman, did you have any thoughts on that or? No, I, in fact, I was kind of going off in a different direction because I was thinking as you were talking roof and I, we were talking facelift right? Uh, and, and an incredible number of other things. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we would rem be remiss in letting this time go without giving a shout out to Rue, uh, to, the, to the city itself, because, because in my four years there, um, and, I, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a little lament and then I'll finish that. If I had to do all over again, uh, Brian, I would have found somebody who could have force-fed me French until, uh, <laughs> be because uh, when I first came to the church, the one of the uh, things that they said was, "Well, you really don't need to to speak French to do your job here," and and, and they were they were right as as we talked about that. But I think to be a pastor in that community, you do. They were very loving and very embracing and very tolerant of my not learning French for four years that I was there. And, and I still consider, Molly and I both consider that the, our, our biggest shortcoming as pastor is not doing that because we could have been so much more a part of a community who really did love us, who yeah. took care of us, who to the degree they could under the 1905 laws of France, <laughs> you know, could, could say, we're, we're going to do everything we can to sustain right. you and, right. and to make things happen there. Right. And so I, I think... Uh, because I know that there are other churches in in Paris who are struggling with their oh, local governments. Absolutely, I, I've been a big beneficiary from the kindness of the town of Rue Malmaison, and mm -hmm. uh, one of the reasons, again, is this is stepping on the shoulders of giants. But I was benefiting from relationships that were made by others before me, mm -hmm. and the um, I you know I've I've done mission work in Paris before I came to EIC and I know very well there are some towns that really don't like evangelicals, um, and 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 really make life hard on them. Yeah. Uh, and, and so when I came to Rue, when I came to EIC, not only did I not find problems, I found help and and yeah. and I found I found grace, I found yeah. cooperation. Yeah. They wanted to hear from us, we wanted to hear from them, and and yeah, I mean it, not everything is easy administratively in France, <laughs> but, but, but it is a, uh, it has been a grace. And, and I know Brian, you did a lot <laughs> uh, during your time to kind of set up the association and, and, and those kind of things as well. Brian laid miles of pipe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was great to be able to use just um, background in French and, and love for France and to see just an openness and a connection with the, with the city hall and, to be a part of a minister's group that they began during my time there with, it was so wonderful to gather with, with 
clergy across the city, uh, from the Catholic priests to imams to um, from people from the temples. To, it was so wonderful to be able to sit down with city hall representatives and just talk about what our faith communities were doing and what we could do together and how we could educate yeah. each other. And I just felt like it was such a wonderful and rich environment to be a part of that I haven't really seen in any other place, even in the United States or other places that I've, that I've served. I've not been able to be a part of that kind of um, cross-religious uh, sharing, yeah. uh, especially sponsored by the City Hall, which I think was just so wise and, and really has helped uh, EIC in so many ways. Um, For sure. But well, we're... Getting short on time, but I'm going to do one more quick uh, question slash uh, plug, um, you know, because I, I, I do hope we're talking about alumni or family or whatever word we're going to use. Um, and we, we certainly at EIC, we're, especially me as a pastor, I'm always trying to think of how can I keep the alumni involved and, and feel like they're still uh, welcome. And so, you know, just in... Uh, I'll, I'll throw this question out to you guys, and then I'll then I'll say some of the things we've done. But but I, I would love to hear what 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 are ways that alumni you think can can stay involved with with EIC in a way that's appropriate. Obviously, we want everyone who is sent away from EIC to to plug into a church wherever they go, and and so that that's important. But but in terms of keeping these connections, do you guys have any thoughts on that? Well, personally, I'm retired. And, and so I think like a retired person, I, uh, I'm sort of a passive, uh, passively involved with a lot of things. And I have found that I'm passively involved with EIC a great deal more than actively involved. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I say that just to say, because you don't hear from the, uh, the alumni, uh, I, I would guess that doesn't mean because they're not watching and they're not right. hearing. Yeah. Um, and so I appreciate both the, the weekly letter uh, just you know, finding out what's going on tomorrow at, uh, at church, uh, mm -hmm. and the alumni letter, mm -hmm. and those are those are great plugs to uh, to say, you know, we're uh, yeah. we're still here, we're still alive, and and you're part of that heritage. Um, and I think that the only the only thing, if because I'm getting older and and the the brain is sort of gelling a, a little bit more, you know, it, it, it's it's nice to have links that I can click on to see what's going on. So, you know, when I, when I look at uh, EIC to, to say what, you know, what are the, what, what are alumni interests or, or what are, uh, what's, what's going on at the church? Or, or maybe I'm thinking of coming to Paris next month and, and yeah. I'd be walking into when I, when I go, is it something that I would want to reschedule so I can be there for a particular event? I know that we did that last year to yeah. sort of coordinate uh, helping you out. and uh, our I trip. was so sad I missed your trip, but it, it, it did work out well because we needed a preacher that week. So, so that yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and we made that adjustment so that that could happen. Um, yeah. And, and that, was, that was great. We loved it. But I, I, think, uh, I, I think I would just say, like I said again, re to reiterate uh, from, a, from a retired person's point of view, and I don't know how many of our alumni are retired, but I would imagine a good number are. Uh, we just like picking up the letter uh, and seeing it. I say picking up, but, you know, getting it in our inbox. Right. And uh, just seeing what's going on and how, how the roof fund is going and, and 
yeah. you know, what, uh, what, how are you guys dealing with uh, coronavirus and, yeah. and things like that? We mm-hmm. still feel apart. No Bezos on Sunday, uh, <laughs> but, but, and, and I miss that, but uh, I still feel like I'm a part of it just because you've left us uh, a connecting point. Mm. Thanks, Mark. Good. Yeah, I think you guys are doing such a great job of levering, re- leveraging social media and connections uh, and electronic forms. I know I've seen some um, recent videos on uh, Instagram and others of kind of Throwback Thursday or recap videos and and or previous missions trips, and I've really loved seeing those um, and sharing them with other people and having uh, Denise and I and Annalise looking at them and thinking about our time there. And I think projects like The Roof or um, other opportunities for alumni to to weigh in and feel like they can still make um, a contribution. Uh, And I agree with Norman, just um, opportunities to read and hear uh, testimonies of what the church is still doing and how it's still impacting people, uh, I think is really powerful. Uh, I'm sure as people think about moving away this summer, could even be that you uh, interview and and film some spots like you've done just to highlight an EIC member, I think is great, but maybe opportunities as people are thinking of transitioning away to talk about, you know, in a minute, what what their time at EIC has meant to them. I think that's those kind of testimonies are always powerful, but I think you guys do such a good job of trying to keep us continually connected. Well, you, you know, I mean, that, that's one of the graces maybe that's come through this quarantine is that, you know, but it, it has made us do all these projects that were just ideas before concerning social media. Concern, I mean, we, we've got an Instagram now. Um, our, our Facebook is, you know, we, we have a daily post and it's ordered and it's structured and it's, uh, we have a weekly video. You mentioned the Throwback Thursday videos. You know, it's just one of those examples of you you have a talented person who comes through your church and, and they, they know how to do things like that. And Hey, here's a, here's a great way to serve. And I, 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 I agree. I, those, those videos have been big blessings to me to look back and say, there was one the other day I was, I was on a mission trip and I had this big beard and it was funny because I look really different, you know, and yeah, it's fun to see those things. Um, yeah. And yeah, so I, I'll mention if, if you are alumni and wanting to know uh, the EIC Paris page on Facebook. If you're on Facebook and use it, uh, if you like that or follow that page, uh, we have a daily post and uh, many of them are these kind of videos. This video right here was going, is going to be the Friday post. Uh, and so if you might be watching it because of that, uh, but that, that is a good way to keep up. We did start an Instagram as well. And we also now have a YouTube channel, which, uh, you know, again, it was one of those things that we started in response to the coronavirus situation. Um, but we're putting the, the sermons both from, from the Rue Malmaison as well as the church plant at Turn. Uh, and then the, these videos we've started doing weekly as well as um, the Throwback Thursday videos that, that you mentioned. All of those are on the YouTube channel. So if you, if you're, if you don't like Facebook, there's many people like you who don't like Facebook. Uh, look on YouTube. It's all there as well. Um, and then you, you, Norman mentioned the two newsletters, um, and those you can sign up for on online. There's a weekly one that is, is you know, the target audience is, uh, you know, people who are here because it's informing of news. But, you know, if, if you like reading that, Norman, then great, uh, you, knowing what's going on. And then the, there is a quarterly, we, we try to send it out every three months, a quarterly alumni newsletter, which is a little bit like a, a, a letter you might receive from a missionary just giving 
updates on the ministry as well as ways you can be praying for us. And so, uh, so yeah, so we would love to have you involved. And please, alumni, if you're in Paris, come see us. Uh, we, we, we want to, we want to, I want to meet you. I want to know, uh, you know, it's funny. We, we had this, um, family who came a couple of years ago and they had a daughter who was born, I think maybe, maybe during your time, Brian or Scott Stearman's time. And they came back and she ended up going to youth camp with us, <laughs> you know, and now she's a regular, you know, she feels like she is part of the youth group. And, and it's just funny to see, you know, these kind of things happen. So, and that, you know, that's just came cause they visited the church, you know, and came back and introduced themselves. And uh, so, uh, do come and see us. Uh, guys, thank you so much. Any, any closing thoughts before we, we stop? Well, well mine, mine will be what I uh, would say every time. I, I, I miss you guys. I desperately miss Sunday mornings worships there, uh, worship services there, and certainly miss the fellowship. And, uh, and uh, thank you, Parker, for your uh, uh, strength, through, especially through this difficult time. Yes. But your integrity and in, in your leadership there at EIC, thanks for, for everything you do. Yeah, and thank you for the opportunity just to be a part of this and an ongoing part of the, the church. I love this Gertrude Stein quote where she said that uh, America is my home country, but Paris is my hometown. <laughs> and I feel that way. And I feel like in so many ways, EIC will always be my home church. Uh, and so it's just great to feel still connected and still be a part of that uh, extended family and that community. So thanks, Parker, for, for letting me continue to have a role, a place, an influence, uh, and, and to be able to encourage you and others who are connecting there. The church means the world to Denise, Annalise, and to me. And I uh, just appreciate you so much uh, letting me be a part of this conversation today. And it's great to see you and to see Norman and for us to be able to share together. Well, and, and thanks for your kind words. And one, I mean, one of the phrases I say all the time here is, I need the Jesus in you just like you need the Jesus in me. Right. And so we're thankful that our church can continue to share the Jesus in us, but we also uh, are very thankful for the way you have shared with us the Jesus in you. I know that many people in our church are very encouraged just by seeing your face. This is a hard time. Uh, this, the, there, there is struggles going on right now. There's sickness. There's, there's economic struggles, and seeing faces like you guys uh, is, is a comfort to us. Uh, you, you are guys who have labored in these fields and have proved faithful, and so we're so thankful that you have been here with us today. All right, Thanks, well, Bob. that will close us out for today. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll try to be back next week. Uh, with our, our plan next week, actually, is to have a podcast where we're inviting uh, uh KJ will be back as well as Cyril Petit and Edward Nelson, who are the two French churches that our church partners with. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that, what that's like to, to partner with other churches. So uh, that'll be next week. Otherwise, thank you, Brian. Thank you, Norman, so much for joining us. God bless.